This is my journey from Epilepsy Tasmania. Real stories from people with lived experience of epilepsy and the experts trying to make their lives better. This series was released for Purple Month 2020, which ran for the month of March. More specifically, Purple Day, which was March the 26th. We had a big day of events planned. Unfortunately, they all had to be cancelled because just a few days beforehand, the Prime Minister had announced strong social distancing measures to deal with the threat from COVID-19. So instead, we did a live version of My Journey and streamed it on Facebook. You can still see the video from that event on Epilepsy Tasmania's Facebook page. But for your convenience, is the audio from that recording. The CEO of Epilepsy Tasmania, Wendy Groot, is here with me, but of course at a safe distance. Wendy, how are you going? Hi, well, thank you. Now, before we have a chat, um, another one of our team members, Colin Dean, uh, he's currently self-isolating at home in Blackman's Bay. Mm. Um, you might know Colin. He's an entertainer and uh, he's part of the the famous group in Tasmania called Croon. They're a Las Vegas-style entertainment group. Um, and what did we do? We asked him to send us a video. Asked him to send us a bit of a video in Colin's style. We asked him for something very serious and yeah. um, this is what he sent. Well, sitting here at home, I have to isolate just my wife and I and my scruffy old mate. Coronavirus spreading has the world in fear. But this is Purple Month, the biggest month of the year. Well, we have one in all in giant purple celebration. One in all in giant purple celebration. One in all in giant purple celebration. Sure is great to see. We plan a lot of things to try and raise some money. We do some things serious, we do some things that's funny. It's kind of hard to do it when we're stuck inside. But our CEO, Wendy, says, Can if we try? <clears throat> we'll have a one all in giant purple celebration. one all in giant purple celebration. one all in giant purple celebration. She'll be great to see. We can still shine our purple lights around the town Get the kids a purple net and spread the message around Put a name on a bus called Miss Lila, no less Name the purple turtle, win a prize be a guest Now I know that the government house tours a fizzle And bunnies won't allow us to hold our sausage sizzle We may not be able to dress up on the day But we can purple up at home and share the pics anyway We'll have a one in all in giant purple celebration One in all in Giant purple celebration, one in all in giant purple celebration. Sure be great to see. You see, there's some with epilepsy who've been bullied and scorned. They've been living in isolation since the day they were born. But they keep fighting on to prove they're just like you and me. They don't let it beat them, so why not should we? We'll have a one in all in giant purple celebration. One in all in giant purple celebration. One in all in giant purple celebration. Sure look good to me. We'll have a one in all in giant purple celebration. Even if we're all at home and stuck in isolation. One in all in giant purple celebration. Sure look good to me. I said, I sure look good to see. I said, I sure look good, sure look good to see. 
Thanks, Colin. Do we expect any less from Colin? No, absolutely oh, not. <laughs> what an entertainer. That's such a I'm I predict that's going to go viral. Oh. <laughs> Let's put it up on its own. I hope so. <laughs> we might we might play that to uh, take us out at the end of the podcast. As oh, well. great! What do you think? All right. So Wendy Groot is uh, with us now. Wendy, CEO of Epilepsy Tasmania. Unfortunately, Purple Day, um, we've had to tone things down a little bit. How are we going to push on? I think we just push on like everybody else in the community. Just keep looking out for each other and um, keeping communications open as wide as we can. Well, that's the main thing, isn't it? Like mm. looking after each other and checking in on one another from a distance. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. That's right, yeah. So I'm into uh, FaceTiming with my grandchild at the moment. So okay. <laughs> we're experiencing it personally as much as everybody else in the community is. Well, if anybody would have normally been going out to do something, um, are we celebrating Purple Day, going out to raise funds, um, have a bit of a dance with Colin? Or what, what can we do? Um, well, you can dance in your lounge rooms at home and put it up onto the uh, Facebook page and show us how you're being a bit of doing a bit of Colin in your own place. That's a great <laughs> idea. All right, so upload your videos to the, in the comments below. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, we're also streaming on Facebook. So um, if you uh, yeah, if you could yeah, what, upload a little bit of a dance and put it a in little the bit of a dance if you're doing a little bit of a jig. Right. Um, if you're uh, purple knitting in uh, at home or it's or if you're still at school. Yeah. Um, pop those pictures up as well and we can celebrate. That's been a great um, thing that's really took off, but unfortunately it had to slow down because yeah. of the environment we're in. But it's still um, important to keep a balance here about um, what's seriously going on, but also how we can have a bit of fun with each other as well. Um, and how does the, how is the finger knitting thing work? How does it work? Yeah, what was the what was the task? So the, the task challenge? was I um, found uh, through one of my staff the children are finger knitting like crazy. I'd never heard of it before. And I'm sure I'm sure I did it when I was a kid. I probably I probably did done. too. Yeah. So I thought, what's what's a fun way that schools can be involved with Purple Month because schools love doing things. Yeah. Um. So we um, developed a finger knitting competition, asking schools to drape a building, a, tr- a tree, a playground ground um, equipment, just purple knit and see what they yeah. can do it and then pop it up onto Facebook and then we were going to give people a prize at the end of what they were doing. So it's like finger knitting yard, yarn bombing? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Um, and uh, also, I mean, it's about raising funds for epilepsy as well. Um, we've got some awesome merchandise out the front, these cute little turtles, or you just want to give them a cuddle. Um, how can people get a hold of any of those now that we are, now that they probably won't run into them in any of the venues that you'd? Uh, no, they're, they're all on our uh, website um, okay. and on the Facebook page. So you can order them online yeah. and then we'll post them out to people rather than having people come into the offices at the moment. Okay. Um, and is there uh, anything else you'd like people to be doing or thinking about? On, on Purple Day, on this very special occasion for your organisation in particular? The, the main aim of Purple Day is trying to encourage people to, to look after themselves, to eat well, to be active, yeah. to communicate with each other, um, people with epilepsy particularly, to be able to uh, just to raise awareness about um, the uh, number of people in Tasmania who are living with and supporting somebody with epilepsy. So it's a very important awareness Predominantly, it's about awareness um, and fundraising is kind of a bit of a secondary in my mind. Um, But obviously, funds are really important as well. And we're going to be talking to an expert in a little while, a a GP, about um, what people who are living with epilepsy should be doing 
Because uh, I understand they're at an elevated risk from uh, coronavirus. Um, well, that's what we're trying to – we want to clarify directly with the right. GP. So people are asking yeah. us lots of questions, so we've put those questions to the GP okay. um, and he's going to answer those for us. Excellent. Mm. All right. Well, look, speaking of experts, one of Tasmania's most prominent and most well-known neuroscientists, Dr. Lila Landowski, and I think she was episode two of my journey on the podcast series, um, she can't – what? What's, she's self-isolating, is that right, Wendy? Yes, yeah, she's self-isolating. She was on holidays um, in another state and when she arrived back in Tasmania, she okay. needed to self-isolate. All right, so she sent us this video about some research that, uh, just to bring us up to date on where we're at with epilepsy research. So I'm here to talk a little bit about the new research that's happening in the field of epilepsy. But in order to do that, first I need to explain a little bit more about what's happening in the brain at the cellular level. Now we know that in epilepsy there are two main kinds of neurons that are involved and they are excitatory neurons and inhibitory neurons. And as the name suggests, excitatory neurons are involved in activating neurons. So they are actually involved in switching them on and allowing them to perform various functions. It might be helping you think or helping you move your mouth or helping you move your hands, you name it. Now, inhibitory neurons, on the other hand, have the opposite function. So they're involved in switching neurons off. They're involved in helping quieten the brain, helping it keep more calm. Now, you might think that having a lot of this excitatory pathway, a lot of this excitation of neurons to be a good thing because it might make you help, might make you think more clearly or might help you function better. But we know that that's not true. So our basic brain function requires this delicate balance of switching neurons on and switching neurons off. And in fact, in epilepsy, we're getting too much of this excitation. So let me take you through this graph. So what we're looking at here is the end of a neuron, an excitatory neuron, and we're looking at the end of an inhibitory neuron. And we're looking here at the neuron that it is switching on and off. It is getting it to do stuff. And in epilepsy, we're getting far too much of this excitatory pathway. So it keeps switching this neuron on and it won't switch off. And in fact, in epilepsy, it's not just one neuron, it's all of the surrounding neurons. In fact, it might even be the entire brain, um, depending on how severe or, or what kind of epilepsy you have. So knowing all of this, how might we then try and treat epilepsy? Well, number one is that we can actually increase this, the activity of this inhibitory pathway and therefore quieten down this neuron and make it less active. And in fact, benzodiazepines, so, you know, Valium, Diazepam, Midazolam, that's how these drugs tend to work. Um, the other way we could do it is we could make the excitatory pathway less active. So we could make um, this neuron not get much as much of this excitatory signal. And the third way we could fix it is by doing something with this neuron. And there are a couple of ways in which we could do that. So um, we could, there are these things that receive the signal from the excitatory and from the inhibitory neuron, and we call them receptors. So what we can do and what drugs can do is that they can sort of switch this off. Another way we can do it is we know how neurons communicate by using an electric, um, electrical signals, right? So what we can actually do is we can actually make this neuron 
not as good at transmitting that electrical signal. And the way that can be achieved is there are things on the neuron called ion channels and they're responsible for making this electrical signal. So drugs can also make those not, not function effectively either. Now, before I move on to the next bit, you've probably heard or experienced um, how sleep deprivation makes you more likely to experience a seizure. And the interesting thing is, it's actually got a lot to do with this excitation. So we know that when you're sleep deprived, your neurons become slightly more excitatory. So they become slightly more likely to therefore develop um, this overexcitation that we do see in epilepsy. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about is um, about a, a study that was funded by Bequest by Epilepsy Tasmania that was looking into infantile developmental and epileptic encephalopathies. Say that three times quickly. Um, and what they did is um, scientists and clinicians from um, Melbourne and Tasmania looked at the entire birth cohort of children over the course of five years in Tasmania. So that's 35,000 children. And 16 of them had this particular condition where they had quite severe symptoms of epilepsy before the age of two. And they looked a little bit more into what was causing the epilepsy in these children. So we know that six of them had a really clear genetic cause. And when I say genetic cause, um, it means that there's a particular gene in that body which makes part of, a, part of the neuron not function as it normally would. So, for example, a lot of these were actually affecting these ion channels or these receptors, so not allowing this neuron to communicate or respond um, in the normal way that it would and send that electrical signal. And two of these children had genetic abnormalities that hadn't been described before, so that was completely new. Now, in the remainder of the cohort of 16 children, so five of those had what we call structural abnormalities. When I'm talking about structural abnormalities and how that might affect the brain or cause epilepsy, um, it's a little bit like this. So um, normally each part of our brain is mapped out precisely. So one part connects to another part and to another part, which allows our brain to function in the way that it normally should. Now, when you've got structural abnormalities, it might be that this part of the brain is actually located here. I call this like a developmental abnormality. So in this instance, if we know that these neurons here are meant to connect over here or over here, but suddenly they're not in the right spot, they're going to get activated at the wrong time, which is what can cause epilepsy in a number of situations. So we can get structural abnormalities from neurons that haven't developed in the right way or in the correct place. And we can also get structural abnormalities when parts of the brain get damaged, for example, during childbirth, if there's not enough oxygen getting into the brain. Now, in terms of other research that's happening around the world, um, one of the big things that people are looking at at the moment is trying to find biomarkers. So find a blood test that allows you to see whether someone has had a seizure, how severe that seizure is, when it happened. And this is really useful because we can use it not only to see or to diagnose whether someone has epilepsy or has had seizures, but also see how effective their um, potential drugs might be working for that person. Um, other scientists have been looking at things like improving the way that we administer drugs. So, for example, midazolam, which often used to be administered rectally um, when there's, you know, a, uh, a, an episode of, of uh, epilepsy that requires treatment, there's now nasal administration as well. So it's 
ways of actually delivering drugs in a way that's much more comfortable and, and, and safe for the individual. We're also improving surgery. And the reason why we're improving surgery is because we're getting much better and at actually um, identifying where that um, epilepsy is originating from because we can much more accurately um, image the brain. So, for example, in the University of Melbourne and um, in Swinburne University, they've developed a technology called magnetoencephalography, and that's basically allowing you to see the brain in a lot more clarity, so therefore you can have a surgery and cut out that region of the brain much more effectively. Um, so that's pretty much where the field of research is um, for epilepsy at this point in time. There is a lot of work being done around the world trying to find um, particularly the different genetic variants that result in epilepsy, which is extremely important because we know that about 40% of people do have epilepsy um, from a genetic cause. So that's all I've got for you today. Thanks for listening in. So we've had a lot of questions coming in from the community um, of a medical nature, so we thought we'd bring in one of the experts. We have the chair of the Tasmanian branch of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, Dr. Tim Jackson, who uh, is a general practitioner um, and is able to answer a lot of these questions. Firstly, though, Tim, I think this is a pretty important question. Is there an increased risk for people who live with epilepsy when some medications have immune suppression as an adverse risk? Question from our community. Uh, look, a good question. And before I answer, I'd just like to point out I'm a, a general practitioner. Um, right. So I manage lots of people with epilepsy, but I'm not an epilepsy specialist. Um, look, I think the, the broad answer is probably no. Um, people with epilepsy aren't at increased risk. Um, but I guess some people who have carers that look after them, then if their carer was to become unwell, that would be a problem. And also if the carer was to become unwell and then accidentally pass, pass the virus onto the, um, the patient with epilepsy, um, that's that's a problem as well. So it's more difficult to social, socially distance when you have so many people who you need to be in contact with. Yeah, that's it. It's more of a risk that way, yes. Um, so um, do you, can you tell us what the difference is between the flu and COVID-19? Are, are they the same thing? Look, it's, uh, that's a very good question, and generally it is hard to tell in the early stages, but a cold, I mean, we've all had colds, so it's sort of a, a runny nose, a sneeze, watering eyes, maybe a headache. Um, you're a bit unwell, but not too bad, whereas COVID virus or even the flu is the next step. So COVID virus tends to have uh, more respiratory symptoms and a temperature. So you're feeling hot, you're feeling flushed, you're sweating at night, you've got a cough, you're a little bit short of breath. Um, sore throat, whereas the flu can be like COVID virus, but it's more aches and pains and um, feeling of fatigue. Right. Another question from our community is, will, will there be any changes to the way I currently access healthcare services, i.e. GPs, scripts, um, emergency departments for prolonged seizures, ambulance services, home GP services, etc.? Look, all those services will still be there, so yep. um, do what you normally do. But in general practice, um, we're trying to avoid people coming in or things that we can deal with over the phone. Okay. Um, so if people need scripts or whatever, then I'd suggest they ring their GP first and then the GP can call them at home and organise for a script or whatever. Obviously, there's sometimes we will have to see uh, patients, um, in which case once you ring your GP, then they can ask you to come in. But I'd encourage people to ring first because we don't want people just turning up because we don't want them to get it, 
to potentially get infected by someone in the surgery who may have coronavirus. And we're talking about them calling their own GP or is there a, a general number that we should call for things like that? Oh, I think probably try your general GP first, your the own GP. Yeah. Um, but there are helplines. There's the Tasmanian Health Line and there's a Health Direct National Line as well. If it's more just general information about um, COVID virus and should I go to the doctor. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I think we've answered this question, where do I get advice to where, where do I go to seek medical advice or where, where should you go if uh, you think you have COVID-19? The GP is the first place? Yeah, look, GP is the first place. Yep. So ring, yeah. but don't, don't just turn up, but ring first. Um, yeah. I think the other part of that question was where do you go if you have a prolonged seizure? I think all that side of things, you'd just do what you would normally do. So ring triple zero for the ambulance. All right. And the last question is once you get coronavirus, can you get it again? We think not, but we don't really know because this right. is new. Um, but we think most things, once you've had them once, you, you if you do get them again, it's a milder form and you tend not to get them again. So we think that's probably going to happen, but it's all new, so we don't really know. All right. And as someone who's on the front line out there dealing with this pandemic as it unfolds, what's the most important thing that we should know? I think uh, the social distancing and um, and just be kind to each other. Um, I need to rush out and grab toilet paper, but you know, look after each other and uh, and uh, yeah, social distancing and, and and the hand hygiene, washing your hands. Right, well, I know you've been really busy lately, so thank you so much for coming in and having a chat to us, uh, Dr. Jackson. Appreciate Great. it. Thanks very much. And now we have Shirley Poetska, who's a social worker with Epilepsy Tasmania. She's on the front line out there serving the community daily. Um, so nice to have you, Shirley. Thank you. Now, can you tell us a little bit of about what you actually do for Epilepsy Tasmania? Um, I'm the social worker plus the education and training coordinator. So I actually go out to schools and I educate them on um, epilepsy for the children, how to teach the children because they have behavioural difficulties, learning difficulties, um, helping the teachers how to cope. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and a variety of other things. I mean, it's so much is involved. It's it's a it's a really beneficial thing that we can do for them. Yeah. And um, also, as a social worker, I'm there to provide support, any kind of support whatsoever, for anybody that rings up, whether okay. they need emergency management plans, whether they need midazolam that we can hand off to our nurse. Okay. Um, and we know that we spoke to Jenny, who is mm -hmm. Hannah's mum. Jenny was in episode 10, Hannah episode 11, um, and the Shirley that they were mentioning was you. That was me. <laughs> so you are out there at schools teaching the teaching people like Jenny, and I think she was raving about how you had helped her to understand exactly how yeah. they can best help students who are living with epilepsy as well. Uh, she was very, very kind. I appreciate it. So working with Epilepsy Tasmania, Shirley, how has life changed for you guys uh, given the restrictions that we're under in the COVID-19 uh, state of emergency? Uh, it's got a little bit different. We're now working from home, but we're still available with every support that we've had before within the office, yeah. uh, within face-to-face. -face. But working from home, we now do it via online or uh, Zoom that okay. we can do face-to-face. -face. So all of those services that people had relied on you before, they're all still available? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and what's the feeling like out there? So you're out there dealing with uh, the, the community. Um, how are they feeling in this time of heightened tensions at the moment? Anxious, yeah. to say the least. Okay. Um, 
some because of the medications, some because they're only newly diagnosed and the isolation is, is well and truly being put upon them. Right. A lot of our clients have had epilepsy for quite some time and, they've, and they're, they're used to isolation. Okay. But this is a different kind of isolation though. It's, it's, when it's enforced, it is a, it's a very different kind to self-imposed. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. A, and what are some of the problems that people are having at the moment with, you, you know, with uh, pharmacies um, being sold out of certain types of medication? Are you noticing any of those sort of things affecting the epileptic community in particular? I've only had a few um, concerns about whether or not they should still take their medications. Okay. And that, that is some of the things that I've passed on to our nurse. All right. And so what's the best way for somebody who thinks they might need a little bit of help, a little bit of extra help maybe during this time to uh, get in touch with you? Oh, they are more than welcome to get in touch with us. Yeah. Uh, ring on the website? Our, on the website or through our office because we're still on the phones. They okay. can still ring our normal um, phone numbers. All right. So the, the number to call is 03 6344-6881. That's the number that we, you'll probably end up talking to Cheryl if you call that number. <laughs> I um, hope so. <laughs> but the main thing that everybody needs to know is you're, you're all still there. It's still Epilepsy Tasmania, still business as usual. We're just doing it remotely. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Okay. And like, even if you just feel like you want to talk to somebody, if you're feeling a little bit anxious, then please get in touch with us. Because we also have other areas. We have Epilepsy Connect where we do peer support, which is a free program. Yeah. And it's a wonderful program and it really needs to be utilised. Okay. All right. Well, Shirley, is there anything else that we need to know? We covered all the bases, haven't we? So many things you need to know about Epilepsy Tasmania because we're just wonderful. <laughs> we're always there to support. We're, we're, we never turn anybody away. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big. If we don't know the answer, then we'll go and, we'll go and hunt for it. All right. Well, good luck with the rest of Purple Day as well. well thank it's you. It's a special occasion for you, I'm sure. Um, and, of course, uh, anybody listening from home, um, jump onto your favourite podcast app, find My Journey from Epilepsy Tasmania, hit subscribe and uh, experience a little bit of what our community is experiencing. And Get don't little- forget to buy your turtle. And don't forget to buy your turtle. <laughs> These little fellas are available online. What's his name? Well, there is a competition called Tag the Turtle. Okay. And it's got a All fabulous right. prize attached to that they're, too, I might add. They're just so cute. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God, look at those big eyes like the turtle from uh, Finding Nemo. <laughs> All right, look, I think that's a pretty good place for us to wrap up this episode, but uh, let's play us. Let's get Colin Dean to play us out with his little ditty. Hey. Uh, did, what, did, did you see it? I have. It's pretty good, It's isn't brilliant. All right, here he Very is. Very danceable. Here he is. This is Colin Dean from Epilepsy Tasmania. Well, I'm sitting here at home, I have to isolate Just my wife and I and my scruffy old mate Coronavirus spreading has the world in fear But this is Purple Month, the biggest month of the year Well, we have one in all in giant purple celebration One in all in giant purple celebration One in all in giant purple celebration Sure is great to see We plan a lot of things to try and raise some money We do some things serious, we do some things that's funny It's kinda hard to do it when we're stuck inside But our CEO, Wendy, says Can if we try? 
We'll have a one in all in giant purple celebration. One in all in giant purple celebration. One in all in giant purple celebration. She'll be great to see. We can still shine our purple lights around the town Get the kids a purple knit and spread the message around Put a name on a bus called Miss Lila, no less Name the purple turtle, win a prize be a guest Now I know that the government house tours a fizzle And bunnies won't allow us to hold our sausage sizzle We may not be able to dress up on the day But we can purple up at home and share the pics anyway We'll have a one in all in giant purple celebration One in all in John Purple Celebration, one in all in John Purple Celebration, sure be great to see. You see, there's some with epilepsy who've been bullied and scorned. They've been living in isolation since the day they were born. But they keep fighting on to prove they're just like you and me. They don't let it beat them, so why not should we? will have a one all John Purple Celebration. One all John Purple Celebration. One all John Purple Celebration. Sure look good to me. We'll have a one all John Purple Celebration. Even if we're all at home and stuck in isolation. One all John Purple Celebration. Sure look good to me. I said, I sure look good to see. I said, I sure look good, sure look good to see. This series is an Icon Media production for Epilepsy Tasmania. It's produced, directed, and edited by Sam Iken. Sound design and video production, in this case, from Nicholas Storr. Music is from Chelsea McGough and Colin Dean. You can subscribe or follow the My Journey from Epilepsy Tasmania podcast wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>